0: Thank you, Natalie, very much. Good morning again. Good morning again. So we, were, uh, we have in our neighborhood uh, a neighborhood chat room. I don't know if you guys have that in your neighborhood. It's somewhat of a newer. And it's helpful. Uh, on a regular basis, they let us know about food trucks and events of the neighborhood. But it seems like on a regular basis, there is a... Stream of strongly opinionated words that come through this neighborhood chat, and they're from a variety of places. Sometimes it's been a little bit of political, sometimes uh, different issues uh, with the neighborhood or uh, patriotic. All these kind of things, and you know, we read those and gonna go, why are you? putting that forward, all of that. So sometimes we read them and roll our eyes. Sometimes, honestly, we laugh at them a little bit. Um, And then, recently, there was apparently a neighbor who tried to do something in the neighborhood. It didn't work out, and she was taking criticism, and she was upset. And she starts this rant and rave, about the neighbors that kind of provided some criticism. And then in the middle of that, Kendra is reading this rant and rave to us, the kids and myself, and, and she says, people, I am trying to stay right with Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, you know, rant and rave, but just can you leave Jesus out of your rant and raves, right? But Kendra's like, wait for it. She says, and I know Jesus is about forgiveness, so I believe that Jesus would forgive me if I called you a bunch of rude backsides. We'll clean it up for PG-13, right? Rude backsides. And we're like, no, no. And it was interesting part of this, my, my mild-mannered, gentle wife, who usually does not respond at all, She's like, you know what, I'm going to write back to this woman, and I'm going to, and she starts to rant and rave towards this, and she's like, kids, what do you think, and there was part of me that was like, yeah, (laughs) stick it to her, but then the kids were like, "Mm, is that really going to do well? As far as I know, she didn't respond, right? We didn't respond. But this interaction caused me to think of a principle that um, is from the life and ministry of Jesus. It's in the New Testament. And this principle has the idea of a person of peace. Person of peace. In fact, in, in Luke 9, Jesus He's been ministering for a while. He's been uh, doing the stuff, as it's called. And he gathers the 12 together, and he says, all right, it's your turn. I'm empowering you with the Spirit. I'm sending you out into the mission field, and I want you to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick, demonstrate the kingdom. That's Luke 9. In Luke 10, an interesting moment beyond the 12 that we know of, there is this larger group of disciples called the 72. And Jesus gathers the 72. If you can't relate to the original 12, I think we're meant to relate to the 72. And he says, I'm going to send you all off into the mission field. And he gives a little bit longer of instructions. We're going to look at some of those instructions this morning, but I just want you to look at this verse. This is Luke 10, verse 5 and 6. He says to the 72, he's going to send them off to the mission field. He says, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a man of peace... Or you could say, another translation is a son of peace. Or you could say a, a person who promotes peace. Some translations put it like this. A person who promotes peace is there. Your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. There's a principle there that's interesting, this idea of being a person of peace and looking for people of peace. Being people of peace and looking for people who don't know Christ yet, who aren't in covenant relationship with them, looking for those people of peace. Now, the reason that I bring this up is because we are in Joshua chapter 2 this morning. If you have brought your Bibles, would you open to Joshua 2? We uh, started the series last week in Joshua 1, and we talked about this critical juncture of how God is advancing the kingdom uh, the, the, the salvation history is he's brought the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, through 40 years of the desert. They're standing. We have a map here. I don't know if you'll be able to see this, but they've been brought to the edge of the promised land, and they are presently where that star is, Shittim. Jo- Moses has died. Joshua is leading them. They're, they have to cross the Jordan, and the first main stronghold is Jericho. All right, this is chapter two. And I believe, and they're, they're about, Joshua's going to send spies into Jericho to, to look at the land. He's going to be a little bit strategic. And I believe that in Joshua chapter two, we're going to be introduced to some people of peace. I think even possibly when Jesus shared these ideas of people of peace in Luke 10, he may have, I don't know this, but he may have been thinking of Joshua 2 or this experience that we're about to read of the Israelites. And as we read this chapter, I'd like you to ask the question, why does the Lord put Joshua 2 in the story? What does he want us to glean and take away from Joshua 2? Let's read. Joshua 2, verse 1, it says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman who had had taken the two men and hidden them, she said, yes, the men came to me but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they spent, went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out... The gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, this is Rahab, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Verse 10. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, Rahab said, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return, and then go out of your way, uh, and then go on your way. Now, the men had said to her. This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into into your house, if any of you go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. And they returned safely, and they reported to Joshua. Now, this is such a Interesting story, one question I have is is what this is a long section. This is a chapter in the story of god 's great promised land that he's providing his people like i I get that it's good storytelling that you could share a few verses right about Rahab and all of that, but why a whole chapter why did why did God place this long section that for for generations until Christ returns, that we would read this together. One of our elders, David, in his esteemed wise voice, he said, this morning are we talking about prostitution and lying? Is that the emphasis? David, would you like to preach this morning? Yeah, that's... No, but why would he place this long story? I want to suggest that he has something that he wants to teach his people generation after generation after generation through the life of Rahab. This Canaanite, this non-Israelite, this woman who is living in prostitution, that he wants to teach us something significant and profound and important today in our lives. Let's focus in on her. I would say that the spies, it seems evident that the two spies are people of peace. They come in, they recognize that God is doing something in Rahab, and they are diligent in their oath. In fact, you can read later in chapter 6 when the Israelites take uh, Jericho they, they honor their word and their commitment. She ties the, the scarlet cord in, in the window and, and, they, and they recognize it and they save her. Through the two spies, they experience peace with God and salvation from the destruction and they live with the Israelites. Okay. But I would argue that Rahab is a person of peace as well. Maybe not as obvious as the spies. If I redirect you to that, again, those verses in, in Luke chapter 10, Cindy, if we could go back to that first verse, when Jesus is talking, remember, he's sending the 72 in the, into the mission field, so they are going to interact with people that are not... Saved, that you could call them today non-Christians, right? And he's saying, yes, you bring a peace. We'll talk about that in just a moment. The, the spies were peace. They were bringing the peace of God. They had the message of salvation, and yet they're going into a place filled with non-Israelites, people who are not in covenant with God. When you go into your mission field, your, your workplace, your neighborhood, right, filled with people who are not in covenant relationship with the Lord and yet Jesus refers to them as people of peace as well you've got Christians who are called to be people of peace but also non-Christians who are promoters of peace sons and daughters of peace How is that so? How could, if they're not in covenant relationship with God, why is God, why would Jesus say, look for those people of peace? I think Rahab demonstrates in a powerful way two concepts. I would say the first is this, that she demonstrates this idea of faith, that God is looking for people of faith, regardless of history or background or activity. That He is, look at uh, verse, look at, I lost my place in my notes here, verse 11. Look at verse 11. Joshua 1, verse 11. So, uh, Joshua 2, verse 11 says, when we heard it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. She's sharing how the seeds of faith were planted. The, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Over all of the land, the Canaanites are experiencing this God is at work in this people group And we are in trouble. Our Canaanite gods are not going to stand. She has this fear. She shares. But then Rahab goes on. In fact, this is one of the longest testimonies of a woman found in the Old Testament. Preserved for us. She goes on to say, From fear our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. Now hear this phrase. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on the earth below. Somehow, some way, we don't know the backstory of Rahab. We don't know how her heart was responding. Somehow she was getting this idea that central to a life with God is this idea of faith. That he was sowing these seeds of the fear of the Lord and the faith in the Lord and she gives testimony, and these spies hear it, that they recognize it, they see it, that God has been working, how, how he brought them together, but God had been working in her life, and she shares this faith statement with the spies. So significant, so powerful, that thousands of years later, the, author, the inspired author of Hebrews would write a hall of faith. Not a hall of fame, but a hall of faith in Hebrews 11. And he would talk about the big guys, right? Abraham and those who really, it counted on faith. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, he says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab Because she welcomed the spies, was not killed uh, with those who were disobedient. They recognize the faith of this Canaanite woman. They recognize. And and perhaps equally as cool, did you know that in the genealogy of Matthew chapter 1, when they give uh, Jesus' genealogy and his heritage... Guess who is in our Messiah's genealogy? This Canaanite prostitute, Rahab. Like God is saying, right, right there, did you see it? That's what I'm looking for. So think about the parable of the four soils of the heart. I'm looking for those who don't have a hard heart Towards me. I'm looking for those who I'm I'm speaking, I'm working, I'm giving testimony, and I'm inviting those folks who are turning and recognizing that God is a God of heavens and the earth. And I've wondered am I as I enter? the mission field, if I am that 72, if I am the part of the, the followers and the disciples, as I am sharing, am I looking for God's activity? Am I looking for those people where the, the seeds of faith is working? Am I looking for those people of peace, those who are promoting peace so that I might join the Lord Another neat aspect of this long testimony that's recorded for us by Rahab is this particular Hebrew word that she uses, that that she talks about and invites um, the the spies. Her her heart is turning and she says this. Look at verse uh, 10. It says, Uh, I'm sorry, verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Some of you know that I have a favorite Hebrew word. Do you know what that favorite Hebrew word is? Hazak. No, I love that word. That's good. Perhaps that's Jedidiah's. But I have a different one. Someone said that over here. Jerry, what is it? Chesed. Chesed. That's the word that Rahab uses. Chesed is this word that the Lord uses to describe himself. It means mercy and grace and favor and loving kindness that he says throughout especially if you use the new king james version loving kindness is repeated again and again that he is a god of loving kindness that he is pouring desiring offering his loving kindness to anyone that's flowing from his throne And he's inviting and looking for people who would receive him, his chesed. That we're called, really, to be a people of kindness. Listen to to Psalm 36, 7. How precious is your loving kindness. It's the chesed. O oh God, therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Rahab was using this covenantal language. She was saying, as I show you, said, would you promise, would you take an oath that you would reflect hased back to me, the core of our new covenant with Christ. John 13, 34, a new command I give you as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This dynamic, this covenant that we have of loving kindness, of receiving God's loving kindness, and then sharing the loving kindness with others friends i believe wholeheartedly that the lord today is inviting us to engage the mission field whether it's chat rooms on social media whether it's with our family whether it's with our, our at our workplace whether it's just the coffee shop that we frequent that he's inviting us to engage the mission field looking for these people of peace that, that God is working on, that the spirit is stirring, and they're walking in. There's seeds there of faith and loving-kindness. I was reminded, perhaps the, the best modern-day example of a person of peace I can think of is we'll call her Helena. So was a, a couple of years ago, right in this church and uh, she was a very uh, easy person of peace to spot. She actually came to church, um, and she experienced the service, and she asked to get together with me, and I said, sure. I haven't met her or know her, so she comes into my office, and she just says, I- I'd like to share my story with you, and so Helena shared about her faith. She said, I'm not a, a, a Christian she said, I, I, I've dabbled in and pressed into Buddhism for a while and experienced that. She had actually pressed into Judaism and the Jewish faith for, I think, a couple of years and experienced that. Now she was kind of wandering and, and unsure of what she believed and, and God. She shared a little bit about her sexuality. That She said, I, I am gay and I'm in a committed relationship with a woman she shared a little bit about her career and she said and Helena was very is very very intelligent and thoughtful and smart and had been a lot of success and through the uh, a a, a few things that had gone wrong she was struggling now so she shared about all of this and she laid out her story and I'm, I'm wondering why she's here I'm wondering what sparked her to to meet with me. And so when she completed her long story, I said, well, Helena, if you get right with Jesus, if you figure out your sexuality and your career, then come back and we'll talk. No, I didn't say that. Some of you got it right away. More of you should have got that, right? No, isn't that how we enter the mission field sometimes? Rather than looking for the work of the Spirit, we're we're upset about things we disagree with. We get in arguments. We, We see people different from us and living how we believe outside of the covenant and we're mentioning and judging, and challenging. And in fact, I think Jesus, through Joshua 2, through Luke 10, he's saying, don't do that. Remember, you're you're people of Hassan. Remember, you're, you're people of peace. You are, you have peace with God. Now share that. I believe God was making it easy for me with Helena. She's sitting in my office sharing her story. And what I actually said, just in her circumstance, I said, you know, I want you to, I want to be up front and I want you to know some of our convictions. One, we we do believe that Jesus is the only way believe it by him his name is salvation and no other name just want you to be clear about that and also want you to know that we believe that jesus deeply loves same-sex attracted people but we don't believe that he blesses same-sex relationships but if you understand that if you if you know that and you're okay i would love for you to journey with us towards jesus that we'll, we'll, we'll serve you in whatever way we can. And journey with you. I believe there was a person of peace right in my office. It's a beautiful story where Helena eventually, over a matter of time of questions and wrestling and asking, eventually she came to give her life to Christ and became a person of covenant and has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ today in a beautiful way. I believe that God is calling us, inviting us into the mission field, and inviting us to look for, not argue, not use language of divisiveness that's in our culture today, but using language of peace and hased and love to engage our mission field. I also think there's another aspect of Luke 10 and Joshua 2 that that Jesus wants us to get and unpack. Can we return to the two spies for just a moment? Now, in our teaching team, Jedediah was awfully critical of the two spies. And in fairness, in in the history of spying and espionage, uh, these two were not awesome, right, they, they, they gave almost no intel, right, <laughs> they, they went to a prostitute's home, which is questionable, right, why did they go there, why did they start there, the commentators were like, well, that was probably the common, okay, maybe, I don't know, right, but then they're found out right away, regardless of where they went, and then they hide, and then they flee, right, that was it, no value, They're not actually named in Joshua. That might tell us something, yes? But on the other side, to their credit, they recognize that God was at work in Rahab's life. And they honor, they honor this commitment. And through them, in fact, later in in Joshua, the author says, and Rahab and her family lives in our community today. Isn't that cool that they're, they're saved and they're, they're, they're living there? And so perhaps they're not awesome examples of person of peace, but they're examples. And I want to just press into a little bit more of the words of, of Jesus to the 72 in Luke 10. Because he gives more description. You see, he's not only wanting the 72 and you and I, to look for those people of peace, but he's wanting us to be people of peace. And so he says, when you go out, just a little bit before, in verse, um, in verse, uh, let's see. I keep losing my place here. Here we go. Um, in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 4, he says to the 72, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or or sandals. Do not greet one another on the road. Now, I wonder, why did he choose lambs? That is not a very masculine animal at all, right? Couldn't have Jesus given us lions or rhinoceros or or, he knows wolves. He knows there's dangers. Why lambs? Did you ever ask that question? I would argue that he's saying, here's the posture. I, I, I don't want this ferocious dominating language. I don't want this righteous anger in this moment of salvation history. This is not a, a time of military advancement. No, in fact... Paul, Paul says when he's talking about the, the time in which we live in, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, just write that down. He says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. He's saying that this moment of history that we live in right now, that the 72 lived in, he said, this is the time of salvation. This is the time of God's grace. Would you tell people about that? Friends, I would say that I am very concerned today. I'm concerned about our nation and the divisiveness, the racial tensions, the the, the political loss and freedoms and all those things. There's a lot of things that I am concerned about, but you know what, I'm equally concerned. I'm equally concerned about religious leaders Bringing language that looks a whole lot like our culture and divisiveness, and we gotta win, and we gotta muscle up, and it's not a whole lot of language of peace and chesed. You see, he's, he's saying, I want you to enter this place not like you're going to face wolves, but don't wolf up. Do not wolf up. Do not meet fire with fire. When you're among wolves, lamb, the posture is important I have a a couple of questions I was reading and there's this beautiful uh, I think some leaders nationally are getting that, that we have a national day of prayer and they have adopted this new theme and listen to this new theme of national day of prayer Lord pour out your love life and liberty Lord pour out your love life and liberty I think that's a wonderful theme. And they, they sent some, what I would call, biblical questions to ask ourselves. Cindy, do we have those questions there? I think we have them in the PowerPoint. It's, do I speak with the law of kindness? Ephesians 4, 26. Do I regularly engage others who look and act and think differently than I do? 1 Corinthians 9, 22. Do I see the hurting? I see the hurting in society, in my family, my church, and extend my hand to respond to their need. Matthew 25, 35 through 40. Do I use every opportunity given to share my faith? Aren't those good questions to ask? Am I showing the, the kindness? Of the Lord, when I when I'm wrestling right, over the the workspace there and that and that fellow worker who views things in different, am I trying to win the argument or am I trying to share the chesed and the peace of God? Posture is important. Now, I turn to the to two spies for, for just a moment. When they enter Israel the, and enter, or enter Jericho, they, they were looking for the scarlet cord that she tied, her family ties, their house. And, and I was thinking about this, and I want to phrase it like this. Are we looking for that scarlet cord, that thread as we enter into the different places. Many commentators have made much of the scarlet cord. They they say that it's significant because it was the blood, the blood of Christ Jesus. In fact, one pastor, he wrote it this way, a pastor quoting another, he says, cut the Bible anywhere and it bleeds. The blood of Jesus stains every page. Every book in both Testaments, Pastor Evans wrote this, the atonement is the scarlet cord running through every page in the entire Bible. It is read with redemption and truth. From the blood of salvation that the Israelites put on their door frames in Egypt, to the blood that flowed from our Savior's body, from the scarlet threads used in the Levitical priest's garments to the scarlet robe that the soldiers placed on Jesus before he faced the cross. That it points us, even in a book of Joshua, with so much violence And judgment, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks. Even in that book, there is this testimony of the chesed of God, the the, the shed blood, this scarlet work of salvation. Friends, do we look for that scarlet thread in the people that we seek to love and care for? I think Jesus not only shares Luke 10, but he models this for us a little bit later in Luke Luke 19. And it says he was entering a city. You know what city he was entering into? Jericho. He's entering Jericho. He says this. When Jesus reached the spot, um, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, Luke 19.1. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he, Zacchaeus, came down at once and welcomed him gladly. You know, later in Luke 10, he says this to the 72, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. I wonder if, I don't know, If Jesus is entering Jericho and he's thinking about this moment in the history of Joshua and he's thinking about Rahab, this person of peace who's not living in covenant and then he sees Zacchaeus. All he knows about Zacchaeus is he climbed a tree to see him. And then he invites himself over to dinner. That's an evangelism strategy I wouldn't recommend. I've tried to invite myself over to a stranger's house. It hasn't worked. And then, of course, many of you know this story that Jesus' very presence, we don't even get any words of the cross or salvation, but Zacchaeus enters into a personal relationship with God. Here's the application, friends. When we're engaging online or in person, are we seeking to win arguments or to be people of peace? Are we, are we using militant language or, or dominant language are we, or are we using language of peace? I have two friends that I would not describe as people of peace. They don't know the Lord and their hearts are very hard. I've been praying, stay in their, their lives for different reasons, but been praying. Just within the last month, there's been just this little bit of softening. I've known both of these folks for over 10 years. And just in the last month, A little bit of softening. A little bit of recognizing that the Lord is at work. I'm so glad that I haven't been combatant with them in their different political views or their lifestyle, anything that's not of Christ. I'm so thankful just in that little bit of a soft softening. I'm hoping that I might be able to share. Words of love, of forgiveness, of hope, and grace. See, I think that is the ultimate desire of Christ, that as we are people of peace, as our peace rests on those who do not know him yet, that they would experience peace the peace that only comes from Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, just like Rahab said, by making peace, I'm just going to add one word. It's not in the scriptures, but I think it's okay if I add this one word. By making peace through his scarlet blood shed on the cross. Would you pray with me? Just take a moment. Would you think about anyone in your life that maybe they are people of peace and you've just missed it, your, your testimony, your witness, your words, your way. Maybe it's a family member, a loved one. Maybe it's a, who you would consider an antagonist at the workplace, maybe it's online? Would you start praying for that person? And would you reflect for just a moment any way that you have not lived with God's peace? that you've not been a person of peace yourself. Lord, I pray. So just want to pray. If there's anyone in here in the room or online. that would like to, to make that decision for Christ today or maybe for the first time ever, maybe you did in the past and it was a long time ago and you've walked off the path and you'd like to say yes to Christ Jesus. Just, just ask you to raise your hand and that's all I'm gonna ask if you'd like to give your life to Christ today just this half of the room if there's anyone that the Lord is prompting you to see that thank you see that thank you guys pray for you anyone on this other half of the room the Lord is prompting you to Let's receive Christ, His grace, His Hased. So Lord, we turn our hearts to you, Lord Jesus. Just everyone, if you feel comfortable, would you pray in your heart with me? Lord Jesus, we believe in you. We believe that your blood saves us all. We confess that we are sinners and need your goodness and grace. We receive you, Jesus, your chesed. Lord, would you fill us with your spirit afresh, Would you teach us to live for you? We pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.